97.1 FM, The Drive presents the Behind the Song podcast, taking you deeper into classic rock's most timeless tunes. Here's your host, Janda. Let us gather, brothers and sisters, and talk about metal. More to the point, let's dig into a band that so fully embodies the metal edge of rock and roll that they have been exalted in pop culture as the example of just what metal is and represents. A British band so perfectly metal that director Rob Reiner was inspired by them to create the characters in This Is Spinal Tap, where album covers could be none more black and the volume on Nigel's amp goes to 11. A band with a sound, an important look, and a name that could be none more metal. The one and only Judas Priest. If you like this episode, help us out with a like at the end. And if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Every single element of the band Judas Priest seems preordained from some dark lord. But those metal pieces fell into place over time, starting back in the late 60s, where the band began their quest in their home city in the industrial heart of England, Birmingham in an area known as the Black Country. Coal, iron, brick, and steel factories blew black smoke from their smokestacks, covering the land with soot falling down. The Black Country is the same land that yielded one of the bands considered to be part of the first triumvirate of British heavy metal, along with Led Zeppelin and Deep Purple. Black Sabbath came up out of those same sooty streets in Birmingham. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Just like in This Is Spinal Tap, Judas Priest have had multiple turnovers in the lineup, particularly with the drummers. And the very first incarnation of the band features an altogether different lineup than the classic lineup that we've come to know since. In fact, the name Judas Priest is said to have been coined for the band by their first bassist, Brian Stapenhill. When the band formed back in 1969, it is said to have been taken from a lyric from Bob Dylan's song, The Ballad of Frankie Lee and Judas Priest, from Dylan's 1967 album, John Wesley Harding. It was also a phrase used by TV actors in those days to avoid taking the Lord's name in vain on camera when the script called for it, which some say has a bit to do with the name as well. Either way, they were armed with a name for a metal band that could not be beat, but the turnover within the band continued. Bassist Ian Hill and K.K. Downing on lead guitar were the earliest members of what became the classic lineup, which evolved to include Glenn Tipton, also on lead guitar. That twin lead sound firming up as an important part of the Judas Priest sound. Rob Halford joined the band as their lead singer in 1972. It wasn't until the band's third album, Sin After Sin, in 1977, that drummer Dave Holland made his first appearance as a guest drummer. Prior to that, 
drums had been handled by more than half a dozen drummers since the band's inception, although none of them spontaneously combusted, like in Spinal Tap. And it was this classic lineup of Judas Priest, K.K. Downing, Ian Hill, Glenn Tipton, Dave Holland, and Rob Halford that wrote and recorded one of the most important albums in all of metaldom, 1980's British Steel. British Steel was the band's sixth album, and by the time it was released, Judas Priest had fully embraced the black leather and metal studs look that we automatically think of when we talk about Judas Priest today. Rob Halford had incorporated this look into the band's aesthetic by this time, and the rest of the band followed suit, so to speak. The success of their previous album, Killing Machine, or Hellbent for Leather as it was retitled here in the US, had been the result of the band embracing a more commercial sound. But they ditched the long, flowing robes that they had previously worn on stage for this leather look, partially in response to the rise of punk rock music in England at the time with its own look and its own vital edge. Of the band's signature look, it's important to note that while the timeline has sometimes been debated in certain rock circles, Rob Halford says he started wearing leather and studs first, before his musical hero, Freddie Mercury of Queen, did. Halford has answered this question in interviews by saying he believes he predated his idol's leather look on stage by at least a year or two. Halford also began writing a Harley Davidson on stage around this time, a fantastic entrance that became one of the band's over-the-top trademarks. Hellbent for leather, indeed. So, they had the most metal of names, and they had long had their own symbol, the three-pronged devil's tuning fork, which is said to symbolize the twin guitar sound. And now, they had the leather and studs look that was oh so metal. And with 1980s British Steel, they had the songs that would propel them from metal darlings and cultured leaders to real mainstream success. One of the interesting things about this album is that it was actually recorded in Ringo Starr's home, Tittenhurst Park, which had previously been the home of John Lennon and Yoko Ono. Lennon and Ono's Imagine film was mostly recorded there, and it was the setting for the very last photo shoot that the Beatles were all in together in 1969. Judas Priest preferred the acoustics in the house to the recording studio on the grounds, so they moved the recording operation into the house, and that ended up being an important move for the inspiration of the song Living After Midnight. The story goes that one night during the recording sessions, Halford was asleep upstairs in the house while Glenn Tipton was downstairs working out riffs on his guitar. At around 4 a.m., Halford came downstairs and told Tipton that it was on past midnight and time for him to shut it down, which Tipton reportedly thought was hilarious coming from Halford. That little incident sparked the idea for Living After Midnight, a song that does exactly what metal songs are supposed to do provide a fun escape from the grind of life, and it does it with a literal undertaking of the phrase, don't bore us, get to the chorus. It kicks off with the chorus. It starts like this. Living after midnight, rocking to the dawn, loving till the morning, then I'm gone. I took the city about 1 a.m., loaded. I'm all geared up to score again, loaded. I come alive in the neon light. 
That's when I make my moves right. Growing up in industrial Birmingham, or actually in an enclave of Birmingham, Walsall, in a housing estate, what we call the projects in the U.S., Rob Halford knew a thing or two about finding escape from the drudge of day-to-day life. He spent his early years before joining Judas Priest working on theatrical production sets and managing a men's clothing store, determined to avoid the factory life that he grew up around. By the time he wrote these lyrics, he had successfully done that, and indeed was part of a new era in the second wave of British heavy metal, along with other bands like UFO and Motorhead. Judas Priest represents something, a rebellion, a balls-to-the-wall living of life after midnight. And in this song, Halford is singing about just that, being a rock and roller, going from town to town, night after night, devouring the nightlife, going hard. And it goes on. Got gleaming chrome, reflecting steel, loaded. Ready to take on every deal, loaded. My pulse is racing, I'm hot to take. This motor's revved up, fit to break. You can almost visualize Halford on his motorcycle, taking the stage for one of the most metal entrances ever by any frontman. It's his life, his band. Halford's world at the time, made into an instant Judas Priest classic. I'm aiming for ya. I'm gonna floor ya. My body's coming all night long. The air's electric spark and power, loaded. I'm getting hotter by the hour, loaded. I set my sights and then home in. The joint starts flying when I begin. Living after midnight, rocking to the dawn. Loving till the morning, then I'm gone. Leather and studs, drinks and other excesses. The party life of a metal god, captured in 3 minutes and 33 seconds of fist-pumping euphoria. As the first track on side two of British Steel, an album that features a hand holding a razor blade, perfectly signifying the metal edge that Halford and Judas Priest created for fans around the world. Living After Midnight was one of the singles released from British Steel that propelled it to become their first gold and then platinum-selling album in the U.S. And it came as quite a surprise to Judas Priest and to the metal world at large when they were sued by the parents of a pair of Nevada teens who shot themselves in 1985 after a night of drinking. One of the teens died as a result and the surviving teen claimed that it was a subliminal message in Judas Priest's Stained Class album that pushed the teens toward suicide. The band sat in a courtroom in Reno, Nevada for six weeks during the trial in 1990, defending their lyrics and denying claims of any subliminal messages in their songs. The case was finally dismissed. Halford had this to say about the entire incident. It tore us up emotionally, hearing someone say to the judge and to the cameras that this is a band that creates music that kills young people. We accept that some people don't like heavy metal, but we can't let them convince us that it's negative and destructive. Heavy metal is a friend that gives people great pleasure and enjoyment and helps them through hard times. Metal music is about leaving the common world for a while and getting into a kind of musical primal freedom. 
It's going out with your friends to the concert, pounding beers in the parking lot and having a good time, and then going back to work the next day. It's losing yourself in the ferocious energy of the songs and appreciating the effort of the band on stage to take you away from the mundane affairs of everyday normal life. Judas Priest deliver that. They did from the start and they still do now. It's so fitting that the cult classic documentary Heavy Metal Parking Lot was filmed in the parking lot of a Judas Priest concert in Maryland in 1986. And the interviews captured with Priest's metalhead fans tailgating before the show, ready to start living after midnight and rocking till the dawn, are now a part of rock and roll history. It was in that year, in 1986, that Rob Halford finally broke free from years of alcohol and drug addiction. He overdosed and went into rehab, even staying sober after his romantic partner committed suicide. He has now been sober for well over 30 years and counting, and credits his sobriety with saving his life. This is a man who came up from the projects to tour the world and become known as the Metal God, who also hobnobbed with celebrities and lived among the party circuit of the rich and famous and of the gay underground. When Halford first came out as gay in a 1998 interview on MTV, he was one of the first metal artists to do so. And he talks about the importance of making that fact about himself public in his excellent autobiography, Confess. He has since become a vocal supporter of LGBTQ rights, and he says that his fears of not being accepted by fans after his coming out were thankfully unfounded. Rob Halford continues to be a singular presence in metal music to this day, 50 years into the long history of Judas Priest. The band has sold well over 50 million albums, and they've been immortalized in The Simpsons TV show, where Bart is seen writing, Judas Priest are not death metal, on a chalkboard gag in the opening of an episode. The Guardian anointed the album British Steel as the album that defines British heavy metal, and the influence of Judas Priest cannot be underestimated on bands that came after them. From a band that did everything from cover Fleetwood Mac's The Green Manalishi with the two-pronged crown to riding a Harley on stage, every single thing Judas Priest has ever done has been done entirely their own way, first and best. They represent the triumph of metal music's world building, fronted by one of the most unique singers who ever belted out an operatic verse. Shaved head, leather, studs, and all. And every time we crank up Living After Midnight, we fans know a little bit about what it's like to feel like a metal god, too. Riding the edge of the razor blade through the grooves of British steel. I'm Janda, and this has been Behind the Song. Thanks, as always, to Christian Lane for the music you hear on these podcast episodes. If you like it, give it a thumbs up and hit subscribe at the end. You can also watch excerpts of the videos on the Behind the Song TikTok channel. On the way, much more classic rock and roll.